This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Adler, and it's a beautiful day in medical education. Because with me on today's show, M4, Aditi Patel. Hello. PA1, Justin Habibag. How's it going? And M3, Kylie Miller. Hey, y'all. Uh, guys, if medical school is a fruitcake, you guys are quite the slice. <laughs> <laughs> on, t- oh. on today's show, and I mean, you know, like, because on today's show, we have such a diverse, varied, just like a fruitcake. No one likes fruitcake. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make any judgments about what that means. And we could be Funfetti. Ooh, everyone loves yeah. Funfetti. Funfetti. Uh, on today's show, an Australian listener wants to come to America. A listener from the Ooh. Philippines wants to know about your motivations. Oh, goodness. <laughs> they are lacking. <laughs> <laughs> and other than that, we're basically winging it today. Yeah. Because things happened while I was, you know, I, I, plan, the, I plan the show all week. I sit down on Friday morning to actually write it out. And then a bunch of shit happened this morning, and I couldn't really plan the whole thing. But you know, we're gonna we we will we winged it before. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, first, let's get some business out of the way. As we release this episode, we are either preparing to begin selling short code podcast merch, or we have begun selling short code podcast merch. Uh, the money for this will go to a charity we've chosen this semester, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Our first offering is a pretty dope T-shirt. I. I in writing that sentence, I kind of vacillated between dope and bumping. Oh, what do you think? Mm. What do you think? That's all bad. What do you, what do you think? Uh, do you think I chose well? No. Um, <laughs> dope is definitely old. Like bumping would, I mean, almost bumpin feel just, more current. Like brings us into the nineties. Isn't at like bumping like music though? No. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> dope is a drug, so I don't know what. Yeah, you're I don't know. Or, Doping just reminds me of like redosing drugs. Justin, what do the young kids say these days? I was about to say, I feel like I have seen people use dope <laughs> recently. Use dope? Lit. Oh, lit. yeah. yeah. We got to say lit. Oh, lit. Is that? I thought lit was old, too. Oh, well, it's, it's like a couple years old. Not as old as dope. Yeah. Gucci? Gucci's good. <laughs> That's the way. When I use that word, my son goes, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys have seen the design. What do you think? It's lovely. Is it? Is it? Is it going to sell? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'd wear it. Ten out of ten would buy. I actually was just creeping on SDN this morning because all of my other social media accounts are suspended for studying purposes. Oh yeah. So like, because you're doing step one. Yeah. Once yeah. I eliminate one social media platform, I like suddenly become way more active on another. Okay. So yeah. as I was creeping on SDN this morning, I saw the post of our latest episode and then the shirt link, and I got really excited. Yeah. But also felt really stupid that that's where I was learning about it. Well, you know, you've you've you've, you've been buried in step one. We'll talk about that. If, if you want to help uh, with our efforts, uh, the charity that we've selected, as I said, National Alliance on Mental Illness, if you want to help NAMI and the Shortcode Podcast and their mission to build better lives for millions of Americans affected by mental illness, including but not limited to people who study medicine, Holla. then visit theshortcode.com slash store and find out more and get a special inaugural offer. Ooh. Mm. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You got to go and 
and do the things. Shortcoat.com slash store. First <laughs> up, we have a listener question. Luke from Australia. Australia. The only other. <laughs> <laughs> this is, only it's, was that offensive. Australian or was that more English? I don't know what that is. I don't really know. It's like, it's like, you know, as soon as somebody says Australia, somebody has to imitate an Australian accent if you're American. That's true. So, uh, but the only other Australian I've known well in my life is also named Luke. So good on ya, mate. (laughs) I'm I'm just cringing. Can't you all just start, you know, imitating kangaroos? They don't talk. (laughs) My friend Luke, uh, likes to post pimple popping vids on Facebook. So I think he does it to. I think he does it to freak me out personally. <laughs> oh, the other Luke. I the other Luke. This Not one. this Luke. Okay. I don't know what Luke. Maybe all Australians like pimple popping, you know. Generalizations are bad. Yeah. Definitely. Probably. It's a very diverse nation, yeah. Dave. There's a lot of money in that uh, particular YouTube niche, though. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Uh, let's see. Here's, uh, here's Luke. Hi, everyone. Firstly... Just wanted to say that your podcast has quickly become a favorite of mine. Yes. My question is twofold. Firstly, how hard, how likely, how expensive would it be to study medicine in America? I'm a registered nurse from Sydney, Australia, but haven't done much, if any, of the prerequisites required by U.S. medical schools. So, in saying that, I'd probably have to do some kind of community college, post-bac, etc. Secondly... If I were to complete medical school and residency in Australia, would it then be easier to get a job in the U.S. as a physician? I've just always wanted to live in America, but wouldn't want it to come at the detriment of my career goals. Right, few Abernroy, earn you. Just thought it'd be funny if the robot computer voice tried to say that. <laughs> I was like, Dave, I don't understand. Yeah, I was also like, what Australian is he saying? Australian slang, right? He's yeah. really into it. I, I like it. Uh, first of all, Luke, um, you might want to... I don't know, wait a couple of months or years before you come to Australia. I'm just saying a place. <laughs> Dave, place we're in the United Australia. Yeah. I mean, to, to come to the U.S. <laughs> place is kind of a shithole at the moment. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, a couple of good different questions here. Uh, let's deal with uh, the first question. How hard is it to come to America to study medicine? Any, any ideas? Mm. I honestly have no idea. So some, I don't think all schools accept international applicants yeah that's true um and i want to venture maybe half of at least half of medical schools are public institutions in which you're already facing like an in-state versus out-of-state bias i think it's probably harder being an international student even well so this is what i did it's it's a good point because the acgme is the accrediting body for u.s medical schools they want us to consider only people who have met certain prerequisites and the easiest way to know for sure that an applicant's prereqs have been met is to admit only students who've studied at U.S. undergraduate institutions who have their own accreditation standards, and so we can count on those having been met. And that's what most public schools like ours do. That so, makes sense. Um, private medical schools have more leeway, apparently, to and determine. more of those are popping up every day, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. So hard to say what it'll be like in a few years. Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, so private medical, private U.S. medical school, that's also an option. Um, that's going to be pricier though. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. Going to your financial. But I mean, being out of state in a state school is almost just as bad. Yeah, that's true. We also take a large portion of our loans out, their federal loans and Mm. they're subsidized for U.S. students. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the finance thing in just a second. I've got some things that I've found out about 
that. Um, as for it, you could also go to med as you say, you could also go to medical school and do your residency in Australia and then come to the U.S. It's definitely another option. So there's like this hazy thing that goes on there. Maybe you guys know more about it, but we have several like um, international medical grads that work here at the university and hey, professors and depending. Like that, yeah. yeah. Depending on where you do your med school, a lot of doctors have practiced in their home countries and then have to redo residency upon mm -hmm. like match into residency upon coming here before they can practice. Australia strikes me as one of those, like, you know, similar to Western Europe where I think people just come right in, but then yeah. it's like, where's the bias of like, how do they decide who's good enough to come straight in and practice versus needs to redo residency? Well, what's interesting is that, um, you know, there, the, there is a, there is a body called the ECFMG. I think it stands for the, um, uh, something college of financial fire foreign medical graduates. It's the body that certifies the standards for evaluation of the qualifications of foreign medical graduates in the U S. Um, and there is a reciprocal agreement between the Australian medical association and the ECFMG, which I think means that after you do your residency, um, in Australia, your qualifications for being a doctor in the U.S. Qualification. Oh. <laughs> that was a quality pun. Thank you. <laughs> Put those jokes on the Barbie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you'll definitely want to do more research into that uh, to be sure. I'll post a link to the thing I read about that in the episode show notes at theshortcoat.com. But it sounds like there's a thing. Yeah. And again, it's going to depend on what specialty you go into. It's going to probably be a lot harder to get a job as a neurosurgeon than if you're really interested in living in the Wild West, uh, you know, say like northern Idaho practicing medicine, you know, in family practice. Yeah. Like coming from Sydney, you might it might be a big culture shock. Like imagine moving to, you know, like Cooper PD or something that to, would be to where Cooper PD. Might mm, anybody? Mm, no. Nope. Yeah. Mm -mm. Struck out. It's a. It's an incredibly rural place in Australia in the outback somewhere, as I understand it. Oh. <laughs> I did some research for this show. <laughs> um, uh, 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 yeah, so it's possible, all possible. Um, another part of the question, though, is how expensive is it? Well, let me tell you, mate, it's heaps expensive. An average Bruce like yourself is going to have to Give up some goon, lollies, and maccas to piss up with American med students, defo. What? I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, basically what I'm saying is it's going to take a lot of money, and I don't necessarily see the point because, okay, so average debt for graduating U.S. med students in 2018, oh God. $196,520 U.S. or $274,106 AUD. Uh, the earning potential after residency is somewhere between 156,000 and 315,000 US or 217,500 to 439,300 AUD. Um, so, you know, it's not impossible, but I don't see why because Australian undergrad med students in a six year degree graduate with debt as high as anybody want to guess? Mm. No, mm. Is, this it just makes is it be depressing? Is that no? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's uh, a lot. No. Oh, it's, yeah. it'd be depressing for you. Oh, not for Luke. As are most things these days. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> Six-year graduate degree debt as high as sixty-five thousand dollars. That's it. U AUD or forty-six thousand six hundred eleven dollars oh 
U.S. That's like a year of tuition. Mm. That's it. Yep. Justin, as a PA, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, I I feel bad too. That's all I got to say. Like, damn, that's I, a good deal. I was gonna say maybe you should look into being a PA in the U.S. I don't. Know. Oh, oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I, I see what you're throwing down now. I, I threw you. I threw you a bone there. Oh no, I'm I'm just jealous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Forty six. I think forty six thousand is probably even low for for PA school. Yeah, depending on where you go. Uh, since I'm out of state, I'm paying quite a bit more than that. Yeah. But so I'm not really sure. I mean, other than your desire to come to the U.S., um, which who could blame you? I mean, we're here. But I'm thinking it might be might make more financial sense in the long run to stay in Australia. And do your residency there. Take advantage of that uh, that sweet sweet. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Kylie. I just wanted to touch it. <laughs> um, yeah, take advantage of that sweet sweet uh, whatever subsidy they're 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 offering uh, their their undergrads. Honestly, a six year program might be more in your favor if I think you mentioned needing to do prerequisites and like mm-hmm. not have had the right. Kind of classes to go into medicine if you could find a six-year program versus, i don't even know like if that includes those prerequisites if they have to take um, the same prerequisites or similar well it's like college and med school combined right that's yeah, that the six is? years okay. at least those are the programs i'm familiar with because mentioned doing the minute at community college and for anyone thinking about doing some kind of like self-start post-bac i'd be wary of doing your classes at a community college for medical school prerequisites because admissions committees are going to look at that and wonder about the difficulty level. Getting Mm -hmm. an A in a community college organic chemistry class versus at a four-year university, those are going to be weighed differently, and they're not going to see you maybe as competitive, even if you are really smart and have the grades to prove it. And that may or may not be fair, but that's that's what Mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. People are people. So So that's kind of a a forewarning for anyone going down that path. Post-bac would be a, a better bet, but those can be expensive. Um, mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and so that would just add to your pain as a uh, u.s medical student unless you have money to blow then blow it why the, why the hell didn't you guys go to australia i'm getting glad you didn't but man i'd go to australia I actually i have option. a friend that's doing med school down there right now uh, we went to college together and i'm not sure what kind of program she's in but i occasionally see her on the the insta well you should you should uh send her this this uh thing that we're doing here today podcast yeah and see if she has any um any backup or (laughs) i just want you guys to know that kylie is touching the mic that's what that noise is not anything else she's playing the harp yeah i was really hoping we're gonna play it up as like a musical segment that we're preparing for (laughs) guys i just we can do that let's go right i need to touch everything (laughs) oh this is so painful (laughs) this this week is painful guys um I will reach out to my Australian med school friend and see what she has to say. And because she's American, maybe the accents won't all be so offensive. Oh, yeah. And I want to know how my accent is, you know, because I kind of think that I have a pretty damn good Australian accent. But uh, I'm terrible at accents. The only uh, one I can do is Indian, but that's because I'm Indian. My, <laughs> my, 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 you cheated. I know. <laughs> do an Indian accent for us. Uh, hello, my name is Aditi. What are you doing today? <laughs> <It's> sweet. <laughs> That's so super, bad. That's super cute. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll maybe we'll find out more about about that. Why are you having such a bad week, Kylie? Come on. 
Buck, um, buck up, little camper. I just, no, I don't know. You know, there. it took me half an hour today to scrape all the ice off my car. Oh, and yeah. I love the snow. Don't get me wrong. We have a foot of snow on the ground right now in Iowa. It is feels like negative 15 degrees outside. Yeah, but to hell with that. It's, it was minus uh, 11 when I checked on the temperature this morning, which is, is unusual. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, But, you know, still. Ugh. I just put off cleaning off my car since the last big snow. That's and it all idea. caked in <laughs> yeah. ice. I'm still somewhat new to this. Oh, yeah, it's only you're, my third winter. So you're from California. And so I grossly underestimated the half hour it was going to take me. And my nose hair was frozen. And I was <laughs> like, I should be doing flashcards. <laughs> and I am very irresponsible in podcasting today. I'm just serving my own selfish desires and not my future. And it was spiraling. You, That's okay. No, no, no. You're, you're serving your future by not going insane. Yeah. Because you're, st- you're studying for step. Yes, I am taking the test in 10 days. 10 days. Woo, you got this. But tonight I'm taking the night off and going downtown to a succulent planting and wine night. <gasps> that sounds Ooh. so nice. <laughs> succulent planting and wine night? Yeah, so it's kind of like for people that are really artsy or like <laughs> I mean not artsy because people do the like wine and design like they paint uh-huh. things. Yeah. And I can't paint for beans. Aditi though, you're very artistic. I'm sure you're great at it. I'm okay. But I'm I can keep plants alive. So this is for people like me. Mm-hmm. I can't keep plants alive. So that's my trade off. Sounds like uh, it sounds like you found your your each you've each found your drinking niche. Yeah. yeah. Drink with painting for Aditi. Drink with plants for what do you want to drink with, Justin? Uh, Friends. Yeah. I mean, not not alone at the very least. <laughs> so. Oh, cards against humanity. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, how, okay, so how's uh, how's studying treating you? Um, me? Yeah, you. I mean, technically, I'm sure we're all studying for something. Aditi, what are you on right now, actually? Research. Oh. Which is nothing. Yeah. Well, and you're on neuroanatomy, right? That's yeah, just took that one test. The, it happened. Don't worry, the second one's worse. Yep. Oh, good. Great. Perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only test I think I've, like, flat out failed in med school. The second one? Yeah. Hmm. So. I think majority of the class failed that second test. Yeah. So. And it's okay. okay. Cool. It's totally fine. Cool. Um, buckle down, Justin. Yeah, nowhere to or, go but down. Or buckle right? up. Oh, well, are you saying you got 100? No. Oh. No. <laughs> nowhere to go but down. <laughs> yeah, that's like me and my step studying. Um, oh, my gosh. You're going to be fine. <laughs> and and I I feel like that every it fluctuates about every five minutes. Anyone who's taken this can probably say, like, it's nice to have protected time just I have six weeks where I get to relearn things and feel competent in things I've kind of always struggled with, the biochemistry, immunology, things that you just kind of put off and you're like, I don't actually need to know this. And so I think most of us love to learn and that's why we're here. So part Peter of Peter Rubenstein me, just went into a dead <laughs> I talk to Peter Rubenstein at least twice a day <laughs> and, you know, he knows all of my studying inadequacies and mm. my biochem flaws, but... Yeah, you don't hide such things, do you, Kylie? <laughs> no, I just, it says across my chest, like, bad at, you know, biochem, I guess. Uh, Are you feeling more confident these days? You've taken a couple practice tests, I, I yeah, think? Yeah, I've taken a lot of practice tests. Uh, and by a lot, I mean, like, three. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. Four. That's plenty. But, that's good. Yeah, that seems like a lot, um, right? Four not counting, or four counting the one that the school makes us take as a baseline in the fall. I had taken like seven by the end of it. Wow. <laughs> He's like, well, 
<laughs> well, no, it's because I just need to take practice tests. So yeah, I'm sitting down on Saturday to do the first full like 280 questions, like eight yeah. hour grind. Um, for me, it's just like I have to potty a lot and they only give you an hour of break time. So oh, an hour distributed throughout. The- yeah, the entire day. So you're, it's kind of a trial run and like how to break up the test. Somebody and I've spent a lot of time on Reddit. And record your time? No, the computer does it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was I was doing a flashback to the 90s when, you know, computers weren't a thing. Oh, well. <laughs> computer testing now, was not a you thing. You take it at a computer testing center, yeah, like yeah. just where you took the MCAT. And the thing is, like, they make a lot of money off of us. That's my biggest thing. It's not the studying for step one. It's realizing what a crock it all is. Mm-hmm. NBME is recently, I don't know, have you guys talked about it on the show? With the trouble that NBME has been in and kind of like setting themselves on fire and getting a lot of clap back on the Twitter. Oh, man. Um, because they talked about like. So the NBME is the body that administers the step tests. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. And uh, recently. So it costs $630 to register for step one. And then every practice test that you, if you want to take it legitimately through the NBME is $60 a piece. Mm-hmm. And everyone uses UWorld to prepare. So there's, you know, another several hundred dollars, your book, several hundred dollars. All It just adds up. And it's for. And let's point out that I'm sure. UWorld is paying some money to NBME to get. Well, there's yeah. like conflicts of interests based all over. Yeah, because some of the NBME providers, I was reading about this in one of the news articles we had posted recently, um, how they they, we have NBME people sitting on the USMLE board and there's like a lot of crosstalk and a lot of money and investments and it's just really not a good place to be right now. So they've been raising the price every year where when you look at the NBME financials, I said I put the wrong emphasis and the wrong syllable there. <laughs> but it's technically registered as a nonprofit company mm-hmm. and they are increasing the prices where their costs, their kind of upfront costs have not increased. They're using this money to increase salaries and whatnot. The CEO of NBME is making well over a million dollars. I think it's like 1.5, 1.7, like an exorbitant amount of money for being the head of a nonprofit. And there are a lot of twisted nonprofits, but they're, Kind of what's the word? It starts with an EX, not extrapolating, not exploiting. Extra- yeah, they're exploiting. I'm losing real words. <laughs> there's, there's no, <laughs> um, but they're exploiting medical students. And we know we already talked about the expense of school here, and that's just tuition we mentioned, like not even everything else we're paying in the back end. Yep. So I take a lot of issue with that, and I just, you know, angry tweet whilst taking studying breaks. But then the NBME guys came out and said, in the kind of hot topic of making the USMLE pass fail, um, whether or not, you know, it would benefit students because with all that extra free time that they would have not killing themselves over a test, they would, it would be one thing if they used it productively, but they instead would just probably use it to binge watch the newest Netflix show. This is what the NBME said. This is what Mm. the NBME said. What? (laughs) (laughs) Step one. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just ignore that. So the NBME guys got a lot of pushback from saying it's super insensitive. and Yeah, so I'm looking at what was directly quoted in this article on Medscape, and it said that the first author person on this article who basically wanted to make step one either pass fail or revamp it in one way or another to make it 
uh, relevant for med students, said that USMLE has vested financial interest in step one, which might be preventing the leaders from changing the status quo. An assistant professor of pediatrics at Eastern Virginia Medical School in Norfolk tweeted evidence about what he said were NBME's interests, inherent conflicts of interests um, are affecting their revenues. So recently they had tripled their inter- their um, revenue from 45 million in 2001 to 154 million in 2017, and at least a third of that goes to the executive compensation. So yeah, that's a lot of money. And the problem is, yeah, they have these inherent conflicts of interest, and it's students that are being exploited. And as kind of the population that's being shit on, we don't have a very good collective voice to speak out against this. There's no one actively doing research in the you know, the ability of step one to predict your success in a competitive residency. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're setting these cutoff numbers like to be considered for orthopedic surgery. You're having to have at least over a 240 to not get screened out, maybe higher. Yeah. But when you're looking at like especially taking the practice test, the curves can be a little wonky for these. But the difference between, you know, your 240, your 250 could be you know a few questions. The difference mm-hmm. between getting an eighty nine percent and a ninety one percent, and it's your future is literally determined on the luck of have you seen this material before? Have you like do you understand the vocabulary? As I said, my words are fading by the day because I'm not. You're doing very well. Engaging outside of first aid. It'll come back. It's like riding a bicycle. <laughs> Hopefully, but those sort of things are the questions that aren't being posed by a voice that they're going to listen to that's going to make a change happen. And it goes back to the fact that like women, underrepresented minorities, people of lower socioeconomic status statistically always perform lower than those who have a little bit more wealth backing them up because you can't afford these services if you don't have the right amount of loans, the familial support, or even like spousal support. It just makes it really difficult to perform well, especially like you said, because your future is riding so heavily on step one. And I can vouch for that just going through interviews and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What a stunning thing for the NBME to uh, to say, though, that, you know, if students would if we went past fail, students would just uh, watch Netflix Netflix. Netflix and uh, what was it obsessively update their Instagrams. Yeah. Uh, they issued an apology and then said that they would hold some sort of meeting with medical students, residents, and like program directors, but they were so vague on it that there's concerns that it might be a very select um, subcommittee of their own choosing. Sure. Yeah. I. Ugh, it just like boils my blood. As <sighs> if our lives weren't hard enough. Yeah. And people just talked about it being so insensitive. I mean, students who have passed or have not passed or like not gotten scores to what they needed like it drastically affects their lives and people yeah. have a really hard time and struggle with that yeah, it, and it, just to blow it off you get shoehorned like into basically the specialties that don't you know if you get a if you get a you know a score of the, below a certain threshold shoehorns you into a specialties that um are willing to accept those scores and the cutoffs that the more competitive speci- specialties set Seems to me that the only reason they choose those cutoffs is because, well, they don't want to review a zillion applications. They want to limit their, artificially limit their applications. And what they don't understand is the effect of step one being lower now is going to carry out for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Because 
physician burnout rates continually to go up. And if you're in a specialty you didn't want to be in in the first place, that's just a recipe for disaster. Suicide rates are high in medical school. I mean, it all adds up very quickly. Justin's uh, feeling pretty good about his decision. <laughs> yeah, I was about to be like, yeah, uh, what, plugging the PA program since you. Uh, I don't know why. I, I, every time a PA is on the show, I feel like I have to be like, yeah, PA is pretty much rock. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave, please disclose your conflicts of interest. I've your already daddy's said a PA. my daddy was a PA. <laughs> I didn't my, know that. Love my daddy. Um, <laughs> well, anyway. So it'll soon be over for you. And maybe that's part of the problem. You know, like once you get past step one. Then I get to take step two. I know that there are other steps. Two exams and a three. And step, and step yeah, two and three and all that kind and of stuff. Don't even get us started on step two CS. Which, which is a freaking joke. But maybe do you think by that point it's like, OK, well, this is this is my life now and I'm not going to. But it's thousands protest. of dollars in required travel oh, and no, it's I'm, been shown I'm, to like I'm not, not arguing help at all. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing I, that that isn't the case. I'm just saying that the reality is you take step one and then you get sort over of it. Like, OK, I'm done with that. And then after that, it seems like, well, it's not so bad. I guess this is what I have to do for the rest of my freaking life. I and honestly think after you make it past step one, my mindset instantly was like, you know what? The hard part's over. The rest of this, I'm going to coast out. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to pass. That's all that will make me happy. And you know what? Yeah, this that's a good point. I mean, step, step, uh, step two scores are important, but they're not doesn't seem to me as important as the step one scores, at least for well, getting that residency. See, for mm -hmm. me, like I'm applying to emergency medicine. And so step two is weighed a little more heavily because it's more relevant. Like, do I know the Krebs cycle? OK, sure, I can memorize something and regurgitate it on step one. But like the clinical knowledge portion, I think step two definitely has more of a like a reflection of maybe your competency in medicine. Mm -hmm. And everyone listening to this, if you know more than us, come fight me. It's fine. Maybe come know. at me, bro. <laughs> but part of the problem, it's been like a DD, you say once you take it, you're kind of just over it. You're like, yeah, it happened. And it's become so adopted by our culture that we see it as this rite of passage that we have to do. And doctors are like, well, yeah. I took step one. And yeah, everyone hates their lives. You go through it. We just take it and we get over it where it's like, no, you got to stay angry because as med students, we don't have the collective voice That's and power true. to challenge mm. them. But if enough doctors, members of the AMA were to say like, yeah, no, that was a terrible time in my life. I don't think it's made me a better doctor. People who should not be making money off of this are making money off of this. Those people have a voice. So if we stay angry and then kind of turn that towards the institution, then we might make change. Also, uh, attendings took their many attendings took their step one a long time ago. <laughs> you know, like things have changed probably a little bit. Passing Maybe. rates have changed. They're, it's yeah. harder to pass step one. The average <laughs> increases every year. Yep. So their experience with step is probably not your experience with step. No. It's no. different. And if you look at like first aid in the 90s, the, you know, the review book we all use, it was like 150 pages. My version, I think, is like the actual content is like 600 and. <laughs> 80 pages yeah. for our content and then the version that came out for 2019 has an extra 100 pages oh that's like a that's like a bonus i'm sure they're not charging more for it <laughs> <laughs> that's not even the expensive part yeah i know but like i guarantee you none of the attendings i worked with had to memorize every mechanism of like anti hiv retrovirals and all that like, yeah when it wasn't a thing every yeah. time an attendee attending tells you to suck it up just hit him in the head with your book then you're back <laughs> This is my weapon of choice. Game they knowledge. Said, they said that I would be left on probation longer if I did it again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
You know what's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick? Podcast merch. And you know what's better than filling a podcaster's pockets when he doesn't need the money? Podcast merch that does something good. When you buy our t-shirts at theshortcoat.com slash store, every dollar we make will be given to charity. Spring 2019's charity is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Get your SEPT and bring some light into the world at theshortcoat.com slash store. All right, we've got another listener question. Um, Justin wrote to us from the Philippines. He had a couple of harrowing experiences with family illnesses growing up, like witnessing his grandfather's stroke and his grandmother's death from cancer, which influenced his desire to become a doctor. Let's hear from Justin. I heard my grandmother scream in agony in her room. She had a gastric bypass since the cancer in her colon was removed. But the cancer came back, hence the pain. She died early this year. I grew up with her in the same household, and she was so ingrained into my daily routine, that her death was disruptive. It wasn't a pleasant experience. I felt powerless again, but to a greater degree. All the physiological phenomenon was invisible to me, and I did not like not knowing. It was the moment she was dying with tubes through her nose and mouth that made me consider the thought of being a doctor seriously. The last thing I told her was that I wanted to be a doctor, because I want to help people, people like her in that moment, and maybe even prevent any situation like that from happening. So, I was curious on your inner monologues on why you chose to be a doctor. I am still uncertain of going to medical school. What I am sure of is that I will take the equivalent of MCAT here in the Philippines. So, uh, I'm sorry about your loss, Justin. Um, been there, done that. It's horrible. Um, what do you guys tell yourself about why you want to be a doctor or a PA? Speaking, so, you know, you just was talking about these big trials that you guys, you know, are going through right now. Um, and that med school requires of you. What, what do you tell yourself that said, okay, all that's worth it. <laughs> Look at, they're all looking I, at each since other. Since I like, just did my interview, like more recently than both of you, I feel like I should still have my answer in my head. I do not. I, well, I mean, you, you must, you don't, you don't say, you don't tell yourself why you wanted to do this. You don't know why you want to become a doctor. You just, you just sort of stumbled into it. I don't think so. <laughs> I have an answer also because I've just been interviewing, but, um, so I thankfully have not had any significant family illness or personal illness of myself that affected me in one way or another um, to go into medicine. I realized I was terrible at science and I liked being challenged. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of pushed into medicine by a lot of mentors. They thought I would be good with patients and... Um, had the capacity to handle yeah. what was going to be coming my way, which I was naive and did not know at the time because I'm the first doctor in my family. I don't think anybody knows, really. Yeah. Um, until we get there. Yeah. So I really like research. I really love kind of the hand-in-handedness, if that's a word. Um, but I like how research and medicine go together. I think you need both to make progress in science um, and help patients as best as you can. I mean, we all inherently want to help people in some way or another. And if I really wanted to make a personal touch on somebody, I would actually be a nurse because they do so much. Mm. Um but I think part of me also knew that I wanted to be the person that could sit with you and talk to you about a terrible illness and help you through that the entire way. And I wanted to be the person that did the research on that illness 
and helped you just a little bit more outside of what I could provide in terms of bedside manner. Um, and I think when I have really bad days and I talk to a patient or take care of somebody and I've noticed it's made a difference in their care, even as a medical student, that just makes everything work it, worth it. Um, and work it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it does. I, as a, like a, what do you call it? The preclinical side of things. Whenever we did those clinical skill assessments and just like had our standardized patients, that was my favorite part. Cause I would walk out of there and I'd be like, this is why I chose to do medicine. I love these people. I like talking to them about what's wrong. Um, I feel like you can make a huge impact that way. So that's why I chose medicine. Was really long-winded sorry no it was it was great kylie kylie's looking at justin like please justin. yeah i mean justin come on they've heard a lot of women's voices this okay time. Um, <laughs> i don't think that's a bad thing i was here to be silent and sit in the corner and listen to you guys talk let's, and learn from you let's just uh, call out kylie's hypocrisy kylie's like always like the patriarchy <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like hey let's here's from some male voices <laughs> In that voice. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Justin? Yeah. Okay. Um, I also did not really have like a, anyone who had like a major illness that really impacted me. You know, I've obviously had family members who have died from certain things, sure. but it you kind of saw it coming. Yeah. But I guess um, for me, it was always more of like a education advocacy point of view. Just mm-hmm. um, I think that when you're a medical provider, like on the ground, seeing people, getting to know them, building rapport with them, you can help them make better decisions. And by, you know, getting them to trust you is like super important there too. And I feel like I kind of wanted to get into family medicine and like by having the constant interaction with these people, I might not be able to change their minds, but say their kids come to me, I can maybe change the kids' minds because they've been seeing me for their entire life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that's, the one way I can make the biggest difference in like a community. I don't know. So you're into the sort of longitudinal um, aspects of caring for a patient population. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and the certain thing too, it's like, you know, advocacy, like as far as politics go, like I don't really want to get into politics, but I do want to be able to affect change in the healthcare system because I think there's like a lot of stuff wrong with it. (laughs) And I don't think that I can affect that change without first getting like, you know, knee deep into it and figuring out what works and what doesn't work for myself. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did you make up an answer yet, Kylie? (laughs) Yeah, I'm tapping into, like, that personal statement circa 2016, (laughs) um, 2015. I don't know. But I think maybe it's just because I'm hard-headed and stubborn and, like, didn't know what my other options were. But, like, I was attracted to medicine at, like, a very young age. Um, If anyone remembers the show, like, Trauma Life in the ER and that. Oh, yeah. Like, that was my drug. And my mom was so grossed out. And she's like, why are you watching this? Like, I should not let my four-year-old watch this kind of television. (laughs) (laughs) And I would, like, stand right up to the TV. And so it's, like, I think partially exposure. Because everyone around me was healthy. I didn't, you know, never had to go to the doctor myself. But it was television, which is, like, a super lame answer. But. (laughs) Mommy, look, a spleen. At least it's honest. (laughs) The spleen is one of my favorite. Because there are these things. Did you know? I knew that. But you can have accessory spleens, and they're these tiny, cute little baby spleens that are splenules. I did not know they that. They are no. the cutest. Look up accessory spleens. All right. Yeah, I learned. It's my favorite. <laughs> but 
accessory spleen. <laughs> it's great. So um, you. What'd you call them? Spleen, spleen, spleen. Splenules. Splenules. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, I don't know. I'm gonna start. It's all official. But, like, there's the mystery I'm gonna start calling my children Splenules. Dave and Christine Yules. I feel like if you say anything with enough confidence, it's fine. Yeah. You're, I believed you. You may not know, like, you know, isn't it weird that you just totally, like, as a being, that we're so aware and we have the level of consciousness and that's what make us, makes us human. But, like, I don't know how many spleens I have inside of me. And, <laughs> like, stu- in studying neuroanatomy, oh, you're totally right. Yeah. It is mm. splenules. In studying neuroanatomy, Justin, like, it was a hard subject for me. And you're like, why can't I get this, like, inherently why doesn't our brain just convey the knowledge of like, why don't we have the blueprints in our head? Like, why aren't yeah, we like, aware of that? We, yeah, exactly. We, we have no access to the machinery that makes us go. No. And we can't like kind of push on a button on our arm and be like, Ooh, what's my cholesterol currently? Like <laughs> we don't have a readout system, but yeah. for me, I think the attention was in medicine and like, I'm one of those people. It's kind of a Jack of all trades. The three majors in undergrad. I want to do emergency medicine. I like to kind of have my hands in a little bit of everything. And I like the drama. Um, but I could have seen myself being a teacher. I could have seen myself going into law enforcement, um, being a detective. My parents wanted me to be a lawyer for a long time. And those were all paths that I thought I could take. But medicine kind of encompassed everything in that for me. I get to be an advocate. I get to be a teacher. I get to do the science. And I get to be a little bit social worker, you know, I think it just fits. I don't ever see myself getting tired of it, which is something that happens for me and a lot of other things frequently. I'm, I have to say I'm jealous of y'all's visions, uh, including you, Justin, uh, from the Philippines. Um, because, you know, like I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I didn't, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Or why, you know, what my plans are, you know. Dave, like, I've told you, you're doing this and never leaving us. <laughs> you're going to leave me. So. You don't know. Um, the, but, you know, like, I I think most people uh, just sort of fall into their careers. Or, you know, if you can even call them that. You know, their jobs. Um, and then there's a group of people like yourselves who had some idea at some point before they began working, like what it was they, they wanted to do. Never had that. So good on you. Honestly, sometimes I still have the revelation of like, I mean, I come from a rural, like smaller town, first generation college students. So like, I just didn't have a lot of exposure to what different options were. <laughs> and even now, sometimes like I'll come across undergrad majors and, or, you know, people's jobs, you read their description, you're like, wow, I never knew that was an option. Maybe I would have done that. <laughs> I know. I, I often tell myself, like, boy, if I had known that the Oscar Mara Wienermobile was hiring drivers for like 50K. Exactly. What? Yeah. I just saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're taking applications. I forwarding it to my dad. I think it'd be a great I'm job. Doing a little calculation in my head here. <laughs> <laughs> my think God. how many friends you could fit in that to be like just know, driving right? a party bus around every day. Do you think the inside of that thing is like a just is like a, a big long tube that you can fit friends into? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get, maybe it's just refrigerated and full of weenies. I don't know. Yeah. Do they serve can food you on Google set? the inside of the Oscar Wien- Meyer Wiener yeah, let's, mobile? Let's yeah, let's talking. I, I got this. Uh, that's really exciting. I mean, to think that we finally found our passions and pursued them and are almost there. Justin's experience is no different and like having experienced a family member suffering and like that is a lot of people's inspiration for getting into med school. But 
I don't know if it's the same in other fields of like people who go through law trouble or money trouble. Like you don't see, I just don't hear about it. People being like, that's what inspired me to go to law school or that's what inspired me to go, you know, and to get my MBA or like when my car breaks down, I'm not like, wow, I, if I could fix this myself and like do this for my family, I'm going to become a mechanic. Like, is that unique to medicine? Here it is, by the way, the inside of the Wienermobile. <gasps> it mm. is room for friends. It's as gaudy as you think it would be. Oh, God. It is uh, red and yellow. And uh, it's it has a fake sky. It has bus seats. Mm. And like carpet, it looks like a roller rink. I am down for it. Yeah, it I want to drive the Wienermobile now. Yeah. Super nice. That's a pretty fat ride. Like a shagging wagon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was thinking uh, that and I didn't want to say it out loud. So I was just sitting here like, uh. Have you guys ever seen it, seen it driving down the road? Yeah, yeah. They, mm -hmm. It was here a uh, while back. I don't yeah. know. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Wienermobile. It's a pretty sweet ride. Um. Okay. Well, we managed to fill up a show, even though. That's it? Well, I mean, you know, 45 minutes right there. It always seems longer for men. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, oh my gosh, the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> wow. And the day's just getting started. High five. Ayo. Sick burn. Sick burn. I didn't make one perverted joke and you, and you. It happens when Tim. we're together. Yeah. It is not a show unless I didn't even say the word anal this time. <laughs> we just did. <laughs> now it's a show. Now we're capping it off. Well, that is our show. Aditi, Justin, Kylie, thank you for joining me on the show this week. Thank you, Dave. Thanks. Thanks. And thank you, listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, why not subscribe? You can benefit from our habit of answering listener questions, so send them or whatever else you like to theshortcoats at gmail.com or reach out on social media or leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We send us pictures. Make sure you're clothed. We'll talk about what? it on the show. Also, don't forget to visit theshortcoat.com and join our email list to get a sweet discount on SCP merch. And if we made you smile or gave you something to think about today, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review it's a cheap and easy way to be a friend of the short coat and helps us know we're doing the right thing the show is made possible by a generous donation by carver college of medicine student government and ongoing support from the writing and humanities program our executive producer is jason lewis our opening music is by dr vox and our closing music is by atmosphere talk to you in one week